What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. That 20 years I did was working on myself, um, working on my personal self-development. I like to tell people that they say, man, you've been home five years and you own a home, you drive a nice car, you got your businesses and all of this stuff. And I say, no, it wasn't five years. It was 25 years. (laughs) Right. Because that 20 that I used working on me was the only reason why I have been able to come home and see any type of success because I took the time to work on me. Turn my mic up. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. Hustle fam, we are back with another amazing episode. And I have a very special guest in the building with me, my brother, Ed Hennings. What's up, my brother? Man, it's all good, man. Glad to be here, man. It's an honor. No doubt. GT Go Time Trucking. No doubt. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So listen, we're going to talk about a very popular topic today. Everybody loves the last mile space. Everybody wants to get box trucks. Uh, Everybody wants to get in the last mile delivery. Um, and Ed's the man, man. So, you know, and he has a very, very dope and interesting story. So we're going to get into all that. First of all, Ed, welcome to Truck and Hustle, man. Man, like I said, it's an honor to be here, man. Some of the some of the names in, in this in this community, in this business, man. And it's good to network and finally get a chance to to meet you guys. For sure. For sure. All right. So we always like to start from the beginning. Right. Let, let, let's, you know, kind of introduce yourself. Let the Hustle fam know where you're from, man. Talk about it. OK, um, I'm Ed Hennings and I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've been in the trucking game for about the last four plus years now, going on five. And um, it started out, man. I was I was a guy from the urban community, made some bad decisions, made some choices that landed me, you know, uh, in another community. OK. You know, and I was there for 20 years. Mm. And so. I took barber and cosmetology while I was in there. And my dream was to get out and own my own barber and beauty salon. Right. So um, I actually accomplished that within a year of being home. I came home October 18th, 2016. And a year later, um, I accomplished that. I opened that barbershop and that, that beauty salon. And the funny thing about our plans and our dreams is like we have one thing in our mind, but the universe, the higher power has something else. So. As I was uh, working maybe four months into that new business that I opened up, um, a client sat in my chair and he was telling me about the trucking business. And I was like, wow, man, he was telling me about the deliveries he was doing with Amazon and all of the other companies. And I was like, I think I got in the wrong business, man. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) So um, I went out and bought me a truck, man. I'm talking about two days later, two, three days later, I found me a truck. And this was four or five years ago. So the truck box trucks was a lot cheaper than they are now. Okay. So I think I paid $7,500 for this truck. Okay. And man, it wasn't the prettiest truck or nothing like that. But immediately the, the transition from my old life into that life was very uh, similar because the money was coming so fast mm. and it was like, wow, you know, I'm, I 
First time I went, I tried to get an Amazon, but I had an F on my report card. I had a felony. So I couldn't get in that lane. So what happened is I was looking through all the sites for different jobs and different ways to get loads. And it was the load board. But then there was last mile furniture delivery. Mm. So I called my cousin up, man. And I said, man, you want to jump on this truck with me, man? I'll pay you X amount of dollars every day. Let's get it. Stop right there. Perfect. So we just now pretty much summed up the last four years, right? But we, we're not going to go that fast with the story, okay, right? Not, okay. I'm going to slow you down and we're going to bring it back real quick. All right. Because we can't skip the fact that you spent 20 years in another community, as you said it, right? Yeah. So let's go back. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. How was that when you were growing up? Because I don't really know much about Milwaukee, man. Okay. Like okay. when I think of Milwaukee, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like a buck. Right. <laughs> so tell me about about Milwaukee, man. What's, um, it's a typical urban. Um, when you're in the urban community, um, it's typical to any urban community in America. Um, you know, people that's not doing too well for themselves. People that's trying to make a fast buck, trying to make it happen, man. And it's 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 very um, I've been around this country a lot lately and it's very similar to a lot of other urban communities where, um, once again, the common thread is, is poverty and it's it's no different. Um, Got that's, you. That's how, how it is. How, how were you as a kid? What type of kid were you um, as, as a kid? You know, I was I was I was a good kid, but I wrestled with uh, making the right decision on a lot of occasions because it was available. It was an option. Okay. You know, go to school, get good grades and do all that stuff, which I did. But I also had a little eye for what the fellas was doing over here. You know, like, <laughs> man, this look kind of good. Right. I might want to, you know, piece of the action. Okay. But it, I, I never did as a youngster. But when I got 18, 19 years old, you know, I felt I was a grown man. I could make my own decisions. And, you know, um, uh, my granddad was very uh, influential in my life growing up. And uh, he ended of passing away my senior year of high school. Mm. So that voice of reason that I had was growing gone. up was gone. So now I felt like all the other adults in my life didn't have any knowledge of what I was going through or, or the thoughts I was having. Okay. So I started making them decisions on my own. Like, you know what? Y'all don't know what y'all talking about. So I got to handle this. Gotcha. Where were your parents? My parents were there. They were there. They were there. Okay. Yeah, they were but there. he was more sort of the main voice of yeah. reason that would keep you out of trouble. The main voice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Powerful. Got you. Yeah. So, so, so you got in, into the streets and yeah. ended up landing you in prison for twenty years. Landed me in prison. Tell, tell me about that experience, man. I mean, when you were sentenced to twenty years in prison, what emotions went through your mind? Well, um, actually, I was facing life in prison. Okay. So I went to trial. Facing life, and the jury found me guilty of a lesser offense. Okay. And I got sentenced to 40 years in prison. Okay. And uh, I spent 20 of the 40. I did half the time. Okay. But that half the, that, that 20 years I did was working on myself, um, working on my personal self development. I like to tell people that they say, man, you've been home five years and you own a home, you drive a nice car, you got your businesses, and all of this stuff. And I say, no, it wasn't five years. It was 25 years because <laughs> right. that 20 that I used working on me was the only reason why I have been able to come home and see any type of success because I took the time to work on me. When did you start working on yourself? Immediately. Uh, the first day, soon as they put the handcuffs on me, I knew it, it was time to make some changes. Really? Immediately. I, 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 what was the catalyst for that? Because, I mean, I would assume that you were so caught up in prior street life, right? Yes, sir. And then you get the handcuffs caught beside. How do you know immediately, like, yo, you know what? 
I got to change my life. because, And then you're facing 40 years? I'm facing life. Life, rather. Okay, so you at that point, it's like you, you're not even getting out. So why are you thinking about working on yourself? Like, I'm trying to understand, like, yes, yes, because, your mindset at that time. Okay, my mindset was this. Um, it wasn't about the circumstances. It was about the person that I wanted to be. And so many times, to answer that question, so many times during my 20 years in there, I was trying to help guys be better so that they can go home. I was saying, man, you got to make these changes so you don't come back in here. Right. They might have less time than me. They might have one year, four years, five years, 10 years. But they saying, well, what about you? I'm like, don't worry about me. Right. This is about you. And I'm going to take some solace in seeing you not come back because I may not never get out. Mm. But it's not about me. It's not about my situation. I'm not doing this based upon you're not going to get out early because you're doing these good things. Well, it's not about me getting out early. Right. Because if I'm only doing it just because I'm going to get out early, then it's not going to last anyway. Right. So it's almost like you were trying to live like vicariously through them. like Without a doubt. If, if you could see them free, that was like a piece of freedom for you. Without a doubt. Hands down. I love that. Um, so what did you do to work for yourself? What were the ten- work, work on yourself? What were the tangible things that you did? Okay. Um, it's very funny. Um, first of all. Uh, reading books, you know, and there you got a lot of time. Right. So you're going to read books. But then to apply what you're reading, uh, a lot of people say, well, when I get out, I'm going to do this. I'm like, no, I'm going to apply this right here for the for the simple fact. I might say, all right, I get up at seven o'clock every morning, but I need to get up at six. So now I'm working my way from seven to six thirty to six thirty to six, because this is something I'm working on with myself, because I know I got to start getting up a little earlier to work out, to do this, to get to work, you know, get to the barbershop because I was the barber in there. OK, so I had um, start structuring my life a little better. Yeah. You know, I started uh, cleaning up my room every day, my cell every day, even when my cellmate didn't get up. I got up every morning and cleaned up the cell and people would say, well, you clean up the cell every morning, Ed. Why your cellmate don't get up? I'd be like, it's not about him. It's me establishing my work ethic. I need to raise my game up. He ain't raising his game up. Right. And if we met right now, he probably, his work ethic probably wasn't up for him to get out and make nothing happen because he spent his whole time laying in the bed. Mm. So I spent my time building these type of things within myself. I took pictures and articles of people that overcame the odds. Like I would read stories about somebody that was facing insurmountable odds. It, the deck was totally stacked against them. I would rip that out the, out the magazine or out the book and put it on my wall. And these became my new homies. These became my new friends. They say surround yourself around people that's going where you want to go. So that's what I did. These all these people, these all these people that overcame the odds, they was on my wall. Who are some of those people? Um, and it didn't even have to be famous people, but okay. Nelson Mandela is one famous one okay. because I related so much to him coming out of prison, right. you know, and becoming president. Um, it was a young lady. She was 15 years old and her mother passed. She was a single parent and uh, she had four siblings and the four siblings was younger than her. So she was the oldest. But fast forward her story. She had a law firm. She had went to school. Graduated from law school, started her own law firm. Two of her siblings was working in that law firm. And the youngest two was in law school. Mm. And I said, if a 15-year-old girl can raise four siblings, start her own law firm, and have those siblings on their way to contributing to that law firm, I said, man, that's how I want my story to end. 
Right, right. I want my story to end. And she like deserves that. a place on the wall. Man, the wall of fame for real. <laughs> no, no doubt. So how, how did you how did you find these stories? How did you find these books? Like were you just like in the in library? Like where were you was somebody giving you this information? Yeah, well I um you got the library, people order magazines, you might get a jet magazine with a article, you might get you people back with, with that article. jet magazine, boy. Yeah, <laughs> man, you know, you might get out, you know, this is the nineties, man. Right, so right, right. you know, I'm ripping them articles right up out of there and I'm putting them on my wall and I'm sharing them with people. Like, look at this. People you know in their mind, they say, I can't do it, man. It's too much. Right. But look at this. Look what he just did. So that became um part of my DNA. Okay. So when I'm talking to the fellas, I know I have to come home and make something happen because if I do it, they're going to believe in themselves. Yeah. If I don't do it, they like, man, Ed was talking all that positive stuff. He got out and didn't right, do nothing, right, man. Right, right. See, he can't do it. I can't do it neither. Yeah. So it just all became organically intertwined into my purpose is just to be able to do that. Did you always have a, a that positive mindset or is that a shift that you made as soon as you became incarcerated? Um, I would like to say... Early on in my life, I was positive like that. Then I lost it. You know, the streets took it away from me. Um, a lot of the influence and a lot of um, the voices, the, the the narrators, some people call it, in your ear all the time, is um, it gets stronger. They say whatever beast you feed gets stronger. So I fed that beast of negativity so much, you know, that it kind of drowned out the positive in my life until I went to prison. And it it kind of woke me up. Got you. How long did it take you to become a barber in, in, in prison? Uh, two years. So two years. Uh, so you actually yeah. went to school yes, for they, barbering in prison and then you became like the barber. So you was, yeah, you was the yeah, guy. Yeah. So you, you said you had to get up and go to the barber shop. So yeah. like, tell me, like, what's the setup? I, I, I've never been to prison before. Okay, so okay, how does a barber okay. shop look in prison? Man, the barber shop is a little small room, man, with a couple barber chairs in there. You know, they got all the equipment um, and the guys come in, get a haircut. It makes their day. <laughs> You know, they talk, we don't a lot, have talk a lot of junk like, yeah, this, like you the know. regular barbershop. Yes. Yes, sir. All okay. day. All day. It's it's one of those. Th- we are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan. Man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. Things where um, you deprived of everything. But that barbershop experience for a lot of guys walking out of there with the crispy lining, haircut and nice, <laughs> it make their day. Yeah. You know, and they don't they don't have a visit coming. They might, they may not have a visit coming. They might not see anybody from the outside world. But just to walk back to their cell with a fresh haircut, you know, it, it works wonders for the morale of a person. <laughs> got you, got you. So so overall, like what would you say? I mean, because like I mean, it's prison is prison. What what was your overall experience during that time? Like just being there. I mean, obviously we know you're incarcerated, so it's yeah. not a good thing. No doubt. But it seems like you made the best of it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. is is would would that be fair to say like you were able to make the best of your time to where it wasn't as bad as maybe some people's experiences may have been? Uh, definitely. Um, I like I said, the mindset of a person that is defeated. And, and and really have no hope. You sit up there and you look and you observe and you like, man, I didn't even know this existed. So I so I was introduced to people that really 
didn't care about living or dying. And the pain was so deep for me that I, I never wanted anybody to experience that. I said, man, I don't want anybody ever to send themselves as well as their family and anybody else's family through this pain. So once again, um, it became part of my purpose just to be like, man, I got to try to help somebody not go through this. Right. You know, because it can be done. Right. It's not a, it's not for everybody. But I felt like it was, it's been my purpose It's just to show people like, man, whatever you're going through, not even just prison, because it transcends that there's people that's going through something right now, whether it's a relationship, whether they not uh, living up to their full potential or whatever it is in life. It's like, man, look, not only am I going to tell you about this, but I'm going to live this. So you can see how it look. I'm going to model this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How far along were you in your sentence when you learned that you'd be getting that sentence, that life sentence reduced? Okay. Um, I went to trial and the jury found me guilty of a lesser offense. So I was sentenced already to 40 years. Okay. So about, um, I seen parole year 10. So for the next 10 years, I was going back and forth to the parole board. So it was like going to prison all over again. Each time they denied you. Because your parents on the phone, your loved ones asking you, you know, what happened? Right. And you got to tell them, well, they told me to wait another year. Mm. So you have that glimmer year. of hope. So every time it's, it's you like. You're getting let down every getting time. Getting let down. I know You got to fight through it. You got to fight. Okay. Yeah. So so how many times did that happen for you? That happened about eight, nine times. <laughs> eight, nine times. Yeah. Wow. But you just yeah. keep on keeping you just keep, on. You just, you know, you, you have to tell yourself once right. again. You know what? This is for a higher purpose. This is this is you know what? If I did 10 years, you know, I would tell my stuff, tell myself things like this. If I did 10 years, would I have the impact if I did 15? Right. Would, would I have the impact at 15 that I would have at 20? You know, so I would tell myself things like this, like, yeah, God got me doing this because I got a bigger purpose. Got you. You know, okay. so the ninth time when you get that news that is going to be reduced and you're going to serve less time. What are your emotions at that point? Man, um, you know, you can't even describe it um, because you're preparing for this whole 19 years because it was year 19 when then they finally sent me the work release. So last so year, it, it was year 19 and then you're going to be getting out the next year. Yeah. OK. Go yeah. Ahead, tell me so, about that. So when that came and it was like, I'm telling her, man, I'm going to come down <laughs> and go to work release, man. Yeah. I got a job at a barbershop. That was the ironic thing. And the great thing about my situation is that all those years of cutting hair in there, they allowed me to get a job at a barbershop while I was on work release. Right. OK. So I would go cut hair in the barbershop and that helped my transition out. Because I was able to mix and mingle with the guys in the barbershop and see things that m- most people would not see right. coming out of prison. Right. So that decision I made in 1998 to take that barber and cosmetology course, it opened up the door in 2015 for me to work in the barbershop. Yep. And once again, um, that feeling right there, I felt like, all right, this is it. Right. When he gave me that job in the barbershop, I said, this is this is the this is the opportunity that I've been working so hard for yeah. and I'm going to kill it. Right. All the dreams have manifested there at that go. time. It's like, here we are. We've arrived. That's it. But, Showtime. But you heard about these box trucks one day, right? Yeah, man. Okay. So, <laughs> so 20 now, years of preparing to be a barber. <laughs> you heard about these trucks. Now it's going to have to start all over again with something this, else. Man, from ground zero. <laughs> all right. So so let's get into that. You said a friend of yours was the one who said? A client. He a came client, to get a haircut. He, he's yeah. getting his haircut and he yeah. owned box trucks. And he owned one box truck. One box truck. And mm-hmm. what was he doing? He was doing deliveries for Amazon. Okay. 
Okay, cool. So he told you about it. I'm sure he probably told you how much he's making, yeah, how much money he said he's making. Like, right. <laughs> how, how much did he say he's making a week? He was or? making, uh, he was just talking about every night. He was like, man, I delivered last night. I made like 400 and some bucks. I was like, you made 400 bucks last night? He's like, yeah, man, I was on the road for like three hours. I was like, three hours? <laughs> so I'm doing the math. You right. know, I'm counting on my fingers and everything. And I'm like, I got to get in this game. This is, this is, this don't add up. Right, you right, know? right. So I did my research. You know, I'm a, I'm a Google maniac. Okay. I'll get on Google that night and I'm Googling trucking and I'm like, oh, it's for real. <laughs> this is serious money. Yeah. And I went out and got that truck, man. Okay. I had to get in the game. So you, so you, I'm sure you have money saved up from barbering, yes. right? That's probably yes. how did you buy your first truck yes. outright cash or did you just put, how'd you buy your first truck? Cash money, man. $7,500. Um, I went up to a rural um, area in Wisconsin, found me a box truck. You know, I looked on Craigslist. I looked on I looked on uh what's that place uh Facebook Marketplace yeah I was looking all over for a truck okay and I found one you know I was just bouncing stuff off of him during that day like man what size truck how I gotta look what is all this I never drove a truck in my life right uh we went up there I gave him the money and he's like you want me to drive it back for you I said no I'm gonna drive it <laughs> and I've been driving them ever since man and okay I, I never. I never been behind the wheel of nothing that big before. Got you. So this is a non CDL uh, box truck. Yes, sir. What type of what type of truck was it that you bought the first uh, one? GMC. GMC truck. Yeah, GMC. Okay. So you get the truck, and now you have to find work. So now what do you do? I have to do? find work. Um, I go on the, the sites once again. I'm googling stuff like um, this, that. So I found Amazon through him. Amazon told me they couldn't work with me because I was a felon. Okay. So you know, I get back on the sites, and I I, I see um um. Final mile, furniture delivery, two-man team. Okay. I'm like, two-man team. And then I seen the base pay, which was like $750. Okay. It was like uh, $750 a day minimum. Okay. So this is like a want ad or something like that. They're yeah, looking this is like for, on Indeed. They're looking for like contractors? Yeah, or? they're looking for owner-operators. Got you. Owner-operators on yes. Indeed. Okay, got yes. you. So the owner-operator thing popped up. I called them up. I said, man, I, I want in. I got a truck. I'm ready to go. I got a crew. Me and my cousin, and we jumped out there, man, and 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 it was it was it was crazy because it was per stop. You was getting paid per stop, so it'd be like, oh, you got to go from Milwaukee to Madison, Wisconsin. So in Madison, you was in that zone. So in that zone, it paid fifty five, fifty seven, fifty one dollars a stop, roughly. Okay. So if I go to Madison with eighteen, nineteen, twenty stops at fifty dollars, fifty five dollars a stop. Like, ooh, okay. Right. So I pay my helper his money. Gas probably like a hundred bucks. So it's like, bam. So you go to Green Bay, that's $115 a stop. Mm. So I go to Green Bay, 50 what? I go to Green Bay with 17 stops at $115 a stop. I'm paying my helper double. Like, man, he go 200, 250 for today. Right. Man, he ready to go. Okay. Okay. So Start. Let's start back at the beginning of that. When you establish that relationship with the furniture delivery company, mm-hmm. what what do you have to do? What are what are the requirements for you to to work with them? Are they paying you as a contractor? Did you have to have a business? Like, what are they looking for from you to get signed on with them? Is pretty okay. much what I'm saying. Yes, yes. They're they're making sure you have a 26 foot box truck. That's the first thing. Um, a lot of people in this game they require a lift gate. Some don't. Um, unfortunately for me. I didn't have a lift gate in my first truck. I had to grab it and just pick it up. Right. But um, you soon learn over time 
Um, they also want you to have, you know, your DOT, your MC number. What else is it? Um, your straps. You know, you got to you got to be able to strap the freight down like anytime, anything else you need. Uh, pallet jack. Okay. Things like that. But is this stuff that they're providing for you or did you have to go out and grab this stuff yourself? No, you have to have all your equipment yourself. So they want you to get a pallet jack. Yeah. I mean, a pallet yeah. jack's not cheap. Um, yeah. And you got to get your straps, obviously, everything mm-hmm. to t- tie everything down. So mm-hmm. you have to come to them with all that. Yeah, you got to come to them with so all your is, equipment. Is there, any, is there any type of uh, like onboarding process or anything? Are they looking at to make sure that you have everything in place? Or are they just like taking you at your word? How does that kind of work? Oh, no, definitely onboarding. Some um, some of these companies have an extensive background check. Okay. Uh, some companies don't. It just depends on who, who you're signing on with. Um, sometimes you can show up Monday morning and be working Monday afternoon. Okay. And then sometimes, you know, the background check and all of the other checks and balances they have to do might take a week. Okay. You know, it's just going to vary from each each um, individual company or supplier that you're carrying for. So, so you're 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 signing up with them as an independent contractor. Yes, sir. Okay, got you. All right. So, and and this is like okay. So the first furniture company, can you say who it was? Did yes, it was it was a, a logistics company, but it was for IKEA. Okay, got you. So they were like a broker for IKEA. Yes. Okay, got you. All right. So when you, so I'm just trying to make sure I understand the whole relationship. So are you running through the broker or are you running like under your own? Like, how does like the insurance and everything work if you damage the furniture? So just explain that. So you have to get like a certain amount of insurance coverage and all that? Yes, you got to have a million dollars of liability and a hundred thousand cargo insurance. So that's like standard. Okay. For anybody that's doing, uh, furniture delivery, final mile, white glove, all of those things. You have to have a million dollars of one and a hundred thousand of the other uh, cargo and liability. Okay. All right. Got you. So they check that. They make sure you have all that in place. Mm-hmm. And then how do you get the actual trips? Like how do you get the, the, the work? Like does, is there a dispatcher? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a load board? Like how okay. can, can you explain that? Okay. A well, you, it'll be a part of a warehouse operation. So the warehouse you pull into the dock every morning and they have your routes already uh, mapped out for you for the day. So they're saying show up at six o'clock every morning, show up at six o'clock every morning. They have your freight ready, all lined up in the dock. You just put it on the truck. OK. And you can take off. So it's it's the, the freight is all accounted for. Do you have to like double check it or like oh, most definitely, most definitely, because if you are not checking your freight and you put everything on your truck and you sign off on something that's not on your truck. Right. You signed off on it. Got you. So therefore, you you responsible. You liable for that freight. How many other contractors like yourself are they usually? That's usually they're doing the same thing. Yeah, it's quite a bit. Um, it depends on the size of the company. Like if you're dealing with somebody like IKEA, it's maybe two or three other contractors out there. Okay. Okay. Got you. So you guys are all there getting loaded in the morning. Yes. You're counting the pieces that you're putting on the truck. Um, do they like after after you leave? Mm-hmm. Um, are they are they like What's kind of like the process? Like how much stops are they giving you? Like typically on a regular on a regular day? Yeah, typically on a regular day, anywhere from twelve nowadays twelve to sixteen, seventeen stops. Anywhere in that range. Okay. Is, and a lot of companies will give you a minimum rate. They say, okay, if you end up doing four stops, we still gonna pay you six fifty. 
Okay. So you got a 650 minimum or a 750 or a 450, just depending on who it is. So they give you a minimum regardless, So because sometimes it's not as many stops. And exactly. obviously you get paid by stop, yes. so you want to get as many stops as possible. Exactly. But if you don't do a lot of stops, they'll still give you at least four. At least give you at least 450 or four, something like that. Four, okay, you said 650, right? Yes, yeah, some are 650, okay. some 750, some 450. Okay. All right, got you. All right, so, so then you go out, um, you start delivering each stop. So mm-hmm. typically... In a day, how many stops can you get done? Um, if you're really good, I mean, you can knock out. And 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 let me let me say this: assembly. Um, if you're just dropping the freight off at each home or each business, you can get done really quick. Okay. But when you are doing assemblies, that's going to slow you down because you have to assemble some of these things. It's called white glove delivery. Okay. When you're doing white glove deliveries, there's assembly involved. Okay. So if you're not well versed in it. You can be in a, a, a customer's house for quite a bit of time until you learn how to do these assemblies. And, and that's the thing about this business is a lot of people don't want to do it. Nobody wants to lift the furniture. Nobody wants to do the assemblies. So it's gonna, always going to be work where um, some of these other places are a little more saturated in what they do. Mm. Um, the, the final mile in the white glove is something that I've caught on to um, by choice and by force. But, yeah, there's a number of people that don't want to touch it. Right. How, how much do you get paid for assembly? Um, you get paid. It's all in the same. It's, 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 all, it's all a part of that stop. All a part of that stop. Because, I mean, I, I think about it like if you're putting together like a desk or something, you could be there all day. Yeah, you could be there for a minute <laughs> until you get really, you know, versed in it. Right. Then you zip, 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 and you out of there. How long does it normally take you? Um, it don't. It, well, now it doesn't take me that long. But at first I was struggling. <laughs> I, right. I was struggling. Right. 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 But uh, once you it take you a couple about a week or two and then you really good you at kind of knock it out. Yeah, man. There's some guys I've seen some guys throw down man, take some doors off refrigerator in five minutes and put them back on. Wow. You're like, man, you're a beast with it. So, you know, it, it ain't for everybody. But, yeah, it's a lane that's that's open for anybody that's willing to do that type of work. So typically, how long are you at each stop? If I'm just if, dropping if, it off, if, if I'm just, just dropping it off, yeah, five ten minutes, five ten minutes, dropping yeah. it, moving along with the furniture. And you said yeah. how much you get paid? How much per stop? It depends on what zone you're going. So if you're going a farther distance, mm-hmm. it's going to pay more. Okay. So if I'm going from, if I'm going two miles, I might only get forty dollars a stop. Okay. But if I go deliver somewhere fifty miles away, then I might get paid seventy dollars a stop. Okay. So it just depends on the distance. Okay, so you you would know that beforehand, obviously. Yes, so you, yes. you have like a route plan, yes. and they let you know. Now, what about if you don't get the delivery, all the deliveries done for that day? Like how time sensitive is this business? Um, very. Okay. Very time sensitive because you have people at home waiting on the stuff they done, they have ordered and paid for. Okay. So if they you tell them we're gonna you got a window, 30-minute window, you're gonna be there between nine and nine thirty. That customer is sitting at home waiting, they might Took some time off work. Right. They might, you know, have some 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 things to do with their children yeah. or their families. So they're taking that time out and they're waiting on it. Right. So you got to really be on schedule. So if you don't get there for some reason, oh, you gonna be, you it's going to be a problem. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. It could, could it cause you your contract or cut, cause you that opportunity? If you do it too much. Yeah. You know, if you just constantly late, they're going to, this may be not the job for you. Got you. You know, you maybe need to go find another lane or something else to do, but yeah, you got to be on time with your deliveries. That's very important. And it's very important because, you know, in the trucking business, you're building relationships. Right. So if this dispatcher or this warehouse worker there and you always on time, you always getting it done. 
they gonna give you the sweet, they gonna give you the sweet routes. You know <laughs> no what doubt, I'm saying? No doubt, no doubt. Like, man, he ain't never on time. We've been to get him this, right. you know, we've been to get him the, the worst route we got for the day. <laughs> no doubt. What what was the biggest challenge for you getting getting started? Like when you when you first kind of got started before you got accustomed to everything, what was what 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 took the most time for you to get used to? Oh, um finding the right and proper technique when um delivering the furniture. And delivering okay, go and go into that. What do you mean by the technique? Um, a lot of people, you know, they be like, man, I'm strong. I can do it. And it's not really about strength. It's about you using your leverage, you know, using your body in the proper way, grabbing um, like they call it a fulcrum. And uh, that's how you at the, the point of something that you know how to balance it on top of there. And a lot of the freight that you picking up and carrying into people's houses is based upon how you grabbing it, how you leveraging it, because if you just trying to do a Hercules move, you're going to wear yourself <laughs> out by the right. end of the day. Right. But if you, once you do it for a while and if you're working with somebody that has been, you know, doing this for a while, they're going to show you like, nah, don't grab that like that, man. I know you're strong, but you, you're not going to beat that. You know, right. you're not going to defeat it. You got to right. know what you're doing. And once you get the proper techniques, it's nothing. How many guys are typically on the truck with you? Two. Two and you are you paying those guys or the company is the company? I'm paying, paying those guys. Okay, so that comes out of so how do you decide how much to pay them um, out of what you're getting and where do you find those guys? Um, yeah, just like anybody else, man. Word of mouth. Um, I'm looking all over for guys all the time, um, but um, I pay them according to number one um, what we get, what I'm getting paid, and also according to their performance. Because some people are really, really good and they deserve to be compensated. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got you. So at the end of, on on a good week, um, what are you kind of taking home? If if okay on a regular kind of like a regular week, five mm-hmm. days. We typically Monday through Fridays. Yeah, Monday through Friday, and some companies are seven. Okay, seven. You said yes. Yeah, okay, days, some companies are seven days a week. Okay, got you. So give me like a an idea of like a range of what you could make weekly. Weekly, anywhere from two thousand to about thirty five hundred, four thousand dollars in one truck. Okay. Okay. Got you. And how much are you spending on like fuel? Fuel. I try to keep my fuel at about a hundred a day. Do they uh, give you any type of uh, surcharges for fuel or anything like that? Yeah. If it goes way above, like if you go on distance, if you're going a good ways out there, then they'll, they'll reimburse you. Okay. Yeah, okay. They, they, yeah. So they do help you on that. Yeah. All right. So you said fuel is like a hundred dollars a day. All right. So I like, try to keep it around. Keep it around a hundred dollars yeah, a day. Yeah. So you stay, you stay under like a hundred miles. Yes. Radius. Yes, definitely. Okay. Got you. All right, cool. So you, you start with one truck and yes. then you start growing the business. Tell, growing. tell me about that. Um, yeah, it was, it was a learning process because you know, you, you making this, this money is pretty good. Then you, Say, you know what? I got enough money. I'm going to add to the fleet. I'm going to go buy another truck. Right. But buying another truck is very similar to starting all over again. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, see that going forward. I just was like, oh, I'm going to get this truck and, and you know, it's going to be more money. But you don't know that. Number one, you're going to have extra fuel. If you don't have that money put back, you got to do two trucks of two teams now that you have to pay. Right. But the money from that first truck not coming in. Until another two or three weeks, sometimes a month. So you got to have the money put back to cover the expenses just to get that truck out there on the road. Hold on. Is that how it works? It, it takes that time, that much time for them to pay you? Yeah. In some cases, like some some people play every week. OK. So you might get that in two, three weeks to start out. OK, got you. But like if they pay first... every two weeks, 
then it might be. So it's bi-weekly and weekly. Yes. But usually no longer than bi-weekly. Yes, never, never any longer than Okay, bi-weekly. got you. You don't ever have any issues with getting paid, right? None. Okay. None at all. All right, got you. So back to that. You said it's kind of like starting all over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because you have new expenses and, yeah. and you're hiring employees now. Yes. Right? So how yes. do you how'd you handle that? Because now you have people working for you. So who is your first employee and how'd you how'd you find them? Okay, it's 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 really easy. Like, you know, you and once again, we in the urban community yep. in Milwaukee. And somebody's seeing you in this truck working every day. Yeah. And now they're starting to see the fruits of your labor. And that's catching people's eye. You like, man, what you doing with this truck? What's going on with this truck? I'm right. like, man, I'm gonna buy another one. You want to roll? So it's very easy. In the urban community, because when people see some some semblance of success, you know, every you're going to stand out. Right. So just seeing that it was easy for me to find guys that was around my way that wanted to give it a shot. Okay. But finding people that's going to last and stick. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and now you're you're transitioning into a a boss. Right. You're not only working for yourself, but you're actually working for. Uh, you have people working for you. Yes. Um, how different was that for you? Like to have to tell guys, you know, what to do and have to have some kind of structure for them. And, yeah. you know, tell me a little bit about that. And was it difficult? Because, I mean, like you said, you're working with guys from the community. Yeah. They may feel like, oh, that's Ed, my, that's my man or right, whatever. Like, right, how right. was it dealing with that yeah. whole thing? Man, very difficult. Very difficult in the sense of I'm a person. I always feel like, you know what, man, you're not getting this right. I'll do it. Get out the way. I'll do it. I'll do it. And now you can't do it because you can have a hundred trucks, but you're only one person. So if nobody is there manning those trucks, then you only could drive one. So you really can't expand if you're going to always be the person that say, I'll do it. I'll do it. That's a fact. Well, you can't do all of that. So I had to learn that the hard way and, and you know, just finding people that's not going to be around for a short period of time and that really want to be around, um, it became difficult. Um, number two, like you said, um, trying to tell people how to do it, what to do, be on time, be respectful, all of these things, that that was another hurdle. Um, and it's constantly a hurdle because customer service, like you know, um, you have to let people know you have to treat people the way you would want to be treated. Right. And that's going to always be an ongoing educational process because um, some people just don't have that on their priority list. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Did, did, did you ever have a, a situation where, you know, somebody did something that could have potentially impacted your business and in and, and, and that way? Could you speak to something like that? Yes, most definitely. Um, because you're in the clients, you're in the customer's home. So, you know, that's their home. So you really have to be courteous. And when the client calls back and say, well, your driver or your team did this and did that, you jeopardizing your business right there. And I've even had um, some guys where the company, like the company we was carrying for say, hey, we like your work, Ed, but him, he can't come back. So once again, establishing that relationship to where when something does go wrong, you've established a relationship where they feel comfortable coming to you instead of letting your whole fleet go or letting your truck go completely. They say, hey, we like what you do, but this guy here, 
he can't come. He yeah. can't come back. Yeah. Gotcha. You have to establish that, though, because you will get your whole company let go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could imagine. So what, what what's your methodology in terms of growing? Because you start adding more trucks. Are those trucks working for the same furniture company? Or are you starting to look for other furniture company or other opportunities? Mm-hmm. Are you strictly doing furniture? Is that kind of mm-hmm. like your, your, your wheelhouse? Yeah. Tell me about that. Okay. Um, I have at times over these years dealt with two and three different companies at a time. Um, right now I'm rolling with one company. Okay. I kind of like they set up. I like what they do. The guys that's driving and carrying for me they're, um they like it. So when I like it and they like it, it's a beautiful thing. But sometimes I like a contract and the guys that I got working with me, they don't like it. So that's going to show in the quality of their work. But when everybody comes together and everybody likes each other, it makes it a lot easier. So you always looking for the right fit mm. for what you have going on with your company. And some companies like delivering fr- refrigerators all day. Me, I'm like, man, them refrigerators, man. But a lot of guys like, man, I would rather do refrigerators all day. So you just looking for what fits your company best. Do you have any kind of say in like what you deliver? Like, is that something that you have a say in? Or is it kind of like you just pull up and they say, here, this is what it is? Yeah, you're pretty much going to deliver what it is because depending on the company, you might be working with a company that only have TVs. Right. So that's all they make is TVs. So that's all you're delivering all day. Right. Or you might go with a company that only have refrigerators. That's all they have. So if you take that contract, you already know what you're delivering. Got you. Have you ever thought about uh, getting doing anything outside of, like, furniture? And, and branching out like with other type of stuff or is it is that kind of like where you're comfortable? Um, I'm kind of comfortable there, but I'm always open. You know, growth is uncomfortable. So you got to come <laughs> out of that comfort zone sometime. Yeah. And I've been looking at doing some OTI work and going over the road a lot more these days. I've touched on it a little bit over the years. OK. But yeah, um, I'm definitely open to giving that a shot because it's, it's starting to look uh with the climate the way it is right now, the workforce being so small and people is not just running for jobs and stuff like that right now, yeah, over the road might might be a little something that I, I venture off into coming up here. Got you. So where have you grown the business to now? Tell me what the business looks like. How okay. many trucks you guys got? How many employees? Okay, at the time, I've, I've had up to five trucks. Um, I recently moved from Milwaukee to Memphis, so I downsized to three trucks. Okay. I have three trucks running right now. Um, Two-man teams on each truck, Monday through Friday. If we add weekends, then I'll add some weekend guys. But right now I have maybe six, seven guys that run. Um, I've also been teaching people in my community about how to get involved in this business. Because you don't you don't really need, from where I'm from, a person could take one truck and it could change their life. Because it did for me. Trucking changed the game for me. Right. And people seen it. They watched it. You know, watched me come out of prison and start a barbershop. And things was okay. But the trucking game took me to a whole nother level. So I found people in my community asking me so many questions about trucking. So there I was teaching this guy how to get started, this guy how to get started, this guy how to get started. So organically, I seen some guys go from poverty Mm. to doing really well for themselves. Wow. So not only did I grow the trucking business as as in trucking, but I've also grown into teaching people how to um, get involved in it and how to even lift a freight. 
Mm. Like, man, let me show you how to do that. How so to properly lift without exactly. getting yourself hurt or exactly. how to use a hand truck. So all of that, like that is part of my teaching people how to get involved in the final mile business with one box truck and make $100,000. So I'm, I'm doing videos. I'm doing all of these type of things just to show people like, man, I know I talk about personal self-development a lot. Yeah. But let me show you how to get some money in your pocket. Yeah. Because at the end of the day. That's what people are really wanting. Some a hundred percent pay some bills. <laughs> now, now, when you moved to Memphis, how did that impact your business? Did you did you find other companies out of Memphis, or did you are you did you still keep trucks in Milwaukee? Like, how, how did that impact what you were doing? Yeah, I first, first I was solely going to just go down to Memphis and just do work in Memphis, and uh, things was I, I was still working with IKEA, mm-hmm. but uh, the pay wasn't as much as it was in the North. The pay had dropped. So I began to search and start looking for other companies that was looking for some box trucks. Okay. So I bounced around a couple companies. And like I said, the last few months here, um, I would say the last two or three months, I finally found the company where the pay is good. The work is, is nice. The routes are nice. The guys like it. I like it. So I'm building with this company. Okay. Um, but I'm also still um, trying to keep a truck or two in Milwaukee. Okay. When, yeah. when, when you say, what, what do you look for in a company? Cause they have to, you know, hire you, but you also have to kind of hire them. Yes. Right. Yes. So what are some of the things that you're kind of looking for when you're looking at companies and saying, Hey, I think this is a good company to, to, to yeah. work for or yeah. work with partner with reasonable work slash pay. Like sometimes you getting paid the same amount more work. And it's like, I don't want to put my guys out there picking up at seven in the morning and they doing deliveries to nine, 10 o'clock at night and they getting paid the same amount of money as somebody that's doing deliveries and they getting done at two and three in the, in the afternoon. Mm. So I just want the pay to match the work. Gotcha. So if you asking me to, and me and my guys to do white glove deliveries all day, then the pay should reflect that. Got you. And what's, what's a decent pay rate or range that you would say if somebody was looking for this opportunity, this is where it should be. And if it's yeah. not above this, then you, you need to move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those 650, 650, 750 minimums. Okay. Those are where you want to start. So you want to definitely make sure the company has a minimum. Yes. Uh, yes. So a lot of them don't. Um, everyone I've ever carried for always have a minimum okay. in place. So look for that minimum. And then mm-hmm. what about like a per, like a per stop, um, rate, all of that. Okay. And most of the time it's going to be, um, based upon the distance in which you are delivering yeah. and it's going to be, so when you getting, like I said, you can do the math when you're getting 15, 16 stops at $70, $50, a hundred dollars a stop, you can really see you know, your profit. Mm. But, you know, I have, I have carried for a company that gave me a $400 minimum. And not only that, they wasn't, they wasn't giving me adequate stops for me to even see any pay. Right. So I had to, you know, find a better fit for me and my guys. But yeah, you definitely want to stay in that 15 stop range with 50 plus dollars a stop. That way you can see your profit. Not only that, just make sure that minimum is in place. Because if the if the if the, uh, the route is short there, that right. day, you can still get enough money to sustain. Will they usually tell you that, like when when they have their ads or whatever, will they say, "Hey, this is a you know we have a minimum. We usually do about fifteen to sixteen stops." Like, is all that usually included in the ad? Yes, definitely a part of uh, the pitch. Okay, yeah, got you. Um, what what was I was just thinking about a question? Um, oh man, it slipped my mind. What was it? Damn. 
it was in line with that. I was going to ask about the, I asked you about the stops. I said the minimum, um, I forgot. It'll okay. come back to me. All right. Um, anyway. All right. So you said now you have, you said you three trucks, you downsized, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Went from five to three and now you're kind of focusing on teaching, right? Yes. So what, what yes. made you want to get into, in, into teaching? Um, once again, it was just one of those organic things. Um, like I said, um, people where I'm from, they seen things happening on the trucks. They seen the fleet growing. So the questions start to come in hot and heavy. You know, I'm just doing motivation. Right. I'm traveling the country. I'm, I'm, I'm motivating people saying, man, I did this with my life. I've been through this and I came back from it. Okay. You know, and I, this is how you come back from the adversity. When did you start doing that? Like traveling around speaking and all like, that? Like, man, um, I've been and, doing and, it for some years. And now. how did you get into that? Man, once again, uh, I was at the barbershop that I was working at. Okay. And a guy was mentoring some young kids. And I was on work release. So I was going to get in the van to go back to, to prison. And uh, the guy that owned the barbershop, he came and said, Ed, man, uh, you see those young guys up there? Before you get in the van and go back, could you come over here and tell them your story? So those kids were sitting there, and I came over, and I told them, I said, you see that van right there? I'm finna go back to prison. And their heads popped up. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I'm in my 19th year. I haven't been home since 96, and it's 2015. And a lot of them wasn't even that old. They probably wasn't even alive. Wow. They was like, you've been in prison that long? So it just started growing. And even while I was in, I was participating in youth programs, uh, scare straight programs, anything that would de- be a deterrent to stop people from coming in there. Like, I know it's tough, but you have to overcome it. You have to. Gotcha. You, know, you don't have any options. Your only option is here. So you have to really take advantage of your time out there and don't think that it can't happen to you. No, I love that. I just my question just came back. Um, pay increases. How often do they do pay increases? I'm sorry to jump back, yeah, but I, no, that's it okay. just it just that's hit okay. me. I knew yeah. I wanted to ask you, <laughs> like, how is is this a contract uh, rate to where it's like a year mm-hmm. or a, a term and then they give you an increase? How yeah. does that work? I just I knew I wanted to ask that, too. Yeah, and that's going to be based upon um, not very little increases, but what you can do, once again, once you build that relationship and they see the quality of your work, you know, it's always, you can always go to the table and be like, man, we killing it, but, you know, the money, I got to give my guys some more money. I need some raises. I need more money. And you can always talk to people, but it's nothing set in stone to where you're going to get this uh raise and pay the pay scale is going to go up or anything like that you're just going to have to perform and then if you feel that you know it's necessary then you know go to the go to the guys and be hey you know we're doing a really good job we're knocking it out no no claims no complaints we on time hey what this look like got what you it look like yeah, you, you get what you negotiate, right? That's right. You know, not what you're worth. <laughs> they ain't going to call you and say, we give you more money when you raise. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, you never know. That's you never right. know. All right, cool. So, um, so yeah, so so like you said, you've been speaking around the country, working with the kids. Tell So tell me a story about somebody who you kind of brought into the business and, like, you know, it changed their life. Because you said earlier, like, yeah. you've seen people go from – Poverty. Yeah. Like, can you tell me like a, a, a in-depth story about something like that? Okay. Um, let me just speak a couple of guys that work on trucks with me. Okay. Um, yeah. Meet a guy. He's um, in bad shape, man. Um, home is not doing, not doing too well. You know, bills is caught up with him and, and it's just, it's just not good for him. And then in 30 days, you see him get on a truck, got an apartment, got a car, 
all of these things that fast. And I'm, I'm, uh, and I'm watching this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, the trucking business was the way to go because I watched the guy go from, um, even through the pandemic, I watched a guy get married. I watched a guy, um, the same guy, get a nice home. All of these things from the trucking business. When uh, before that, I wasn't seeing any of that. I wasn't seeing anybody, especially in the pandemic, because they shut my barbershop down during right. the pandemic. Right. But my guys during the pandemic, the trucks kept rolling. They kept eating. They kept paying their bills. They kept making, you know, strides upward. Mm. You know, where a lot of individuals during the pandemic, especially in the beginning of it, was scrambling, you know, ends. You know, we a lot of people found out that three weeks or a month or two off work, we all be in dire straits. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. So have you ever been back to um, the prison system at all since you came out like to speak or to, you know, tell me about that? Like, have you done any talks in the prison? Yeah, a lot. Okay. A lot. Uh, okay. Up in Wisconsin, I've been uh, even out to L.A. I was in L.A. maybe about Long Beach about three weeks ago. I was out there speaking at a, um, a corrections a leadership conference. OK, so, yeah, it's been building, man. But, yeah, in Wisconsin, I go back into the prison all the time and talk to the guys and some of the guys I was in there with. Cause I haven't been gone for twenty years. I've been gone for five. Right. So when I go right. back in there, it's still right. people that yeah, you, you don't. Yeah, you still ain't making your bed. Right. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> exactly. Not much has changed. Yeah, yeah. And some guys, you go back in there. They went home before you did, and you go back in there and speak, and you see them. Right. And you know they like. And you like, yeah, man, what you doing? Right. You know, so yeah, you go in there, and and it's a whole, it's a, it's a whole different feeling for me. When I go in there, I feel like a Martin. You know, Malcolm, when I go in there, because, you know, you are uh, the number one speaker in the world when you're in front of your audience. That's a fact. I like that. You know, it's like, do the good speaker, do the good speaker. Expound on what you just now said, because that's that's something that's important. Yeah. When you in front of your people, you are the best in the world at it. Nobody can go. I feel like this. Nobody can walk into any jail or prison or juvenile facility in America and outspeak me because I've lived that experience. I know the stench. I know the emotion. I know you finna walk out here with this pain on your sleeve. You know, you're going to mask it. You're going to try to make it look different. But only me and you know this. And if you haven't lived it, you're not going to be able to connect with the audience the way I am. Not to say you can't. But when I go in there, I'm going to be able to say, I know what you're thinking, bro. I know what you I know what you're about to do. I can I can see it. Yeah, I can anticipate everything that's going on in the room. Whereas somebody that haven't lived it. They, they they probably won't know as much as I would have that experience. Like, say, would a doctor. If you're in a room full of doctors and the doctor is giving a speech, he's going to be able to relate to that room full of doctors like I can't. Right. You know, I might come in there and say some motivation and talk about my past and my experience. But that doctor going to go in there and say some things that I just don't even know what he's talking facts, about. Facts. So that's how it kind of rolls, man. Get in, get in front of your audience. And do your thing. That's your, that's real. And and what's your overarching message to um, the brothers when you're, you're in the in the prison systems? Like, what are you trying to leave them with? I'm always trying to leave them with some belief in themselves. Um, that's the most powerful thing I feel a person can have is confidence. Um, there's some talented people. A prison has a lot of intelligent people, but they're lacking in confidence. They're lacking in the belief in themselves. So the more I can say, look, believe in yourself. You can do it. The only reason why you're not doing it is because you don't believe. 
So I have to tell them things that make them believe, like look in that mirror and believe in yourself. Because there's some people out here that's not as talented as you, that's not as smart as you, and they killing the game. So you can't say, I don't have the talent. You can't say, I don't have the, the intelligence. It's you don't have the confidence. No doubt, no doubt. Man, I, I love to hear these stories, man. It's super dope coming where you came from to be able to, you know, speak on this platform and many other platforms, no you know, to to an audience. Like you said, you're the number one speaker in this yeah, audience. Yeah. And there's plenty of <laughs> brothers and sisters that need to hear no this, this this message today. So, um, man, dope. I really appreciate it. We've been rocking for a minute. So we're going to start yeah. kind of wrapping up. Before we go, we always got to get kind of the final thought, which is just whatever you want to leave the people with, whether it's entrepreneurial, spiritual, whatever. And then let everybody know where they can connect with you and learn more. You said you're also putting together some courses and curriculum yes. um, for yes. furniture delivery last yes. mile. So kind yes. of talk about that yes. and then we'll we'll kind of wrap it up. Okay. Um, first of all, before I forget, I'm on, I'm Ed Hennings one on Instagram. Um, that's the main platform right now. So y'all check me out. Um, not only that, but um, the video, Stay, stay tuned in. That that should be dropping any day now. So you guys will be able to see that um, in its entirety. It, it's, it's really put a lot of time and work into it. I work with some guys out of Dallas, and we really put it down, man. So be looking forward to that to really help the people out that's trying to get into this game. But um, what's very important to the trucking business and any business, once again, is personal self-development because there's a lot of information out here. There's a lot of knowledge out here. And I thank you guys at Truck and Hustle for delivering like that because it's a lot of knowledge and a lot of information that you guys bring to the table. But if you're not right as a person, if you're not where you need to be as a person, you won't be able to execute that plan. You won't be able to, to utilize that information because you're not where you need to be because there's no shortage, especially on social media. There's no shortage of information. You can go on social media and find anything you want to find, whether stocks, whether it's real estate, trucking, box trucking, boxing, anything you want to find is on <laughs> the Internet. Right. Facts. But you can't execute it. You can't execute the same information that you and I get every day and put out there every day. You can't take it and use it because it's not the lack of information it's you. So uh, the final thing is, is there's no failure. There's no such thing as failure. There's quitters. Because anybody that fixed their mindset to say, I'm willing to put in the work and put in the time, you can't fail. If you're willing to put in that work and, and, and work as long as it takes for you to get there, you eventually going to arrive to where you want to be in life. But if you go, if you're not willing to put in the time, even people start out working, but it don't come fast enough. So they quit. So it's no such thing as failure. It's just quitters. No doubt. I love that. If you can't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Hustle fam, this has been dope. Ed, I appreciate you, man, for tapping in with me today. Um, definitely an enlightening conversation. I look forward to seeing your business grow and seeing you grow just as a, a speaker and as a, 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 a the 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 just a man you are. You know what I mean? Where you've come from, I, I, I respect you and I, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you man, so much. Thanks for having me, bro. Hustle fam, you know what we do around this time. If you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Myself, Ed, we out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.